Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Continuing our series then, uh, we started last week, A Life of Try. If you missed that last week, you can catch on our our YouTube channel, go through our website or directly to that and uh, catch up there. Um, So we're trying to develop this culture of kingdom trying over the next few weeks and months. And last week we looked at how to some degree we all carry a fear of failure, don't we? Wow, we have much more honest, many more honest people in the first service, okay? We all carry a fear of failure to some degree. It affects us in some way. And, and fear can affect our choices in life, the way we relate to people, the career decisions we make. It can also affect the things that we, we do with God. God invites us into this kingdom trying. And uh, if, we, if we have fears, that can really inhibit our ability to do that. But today we'll see that Jesus trained his disciples in failure. He, he trained them how to fail, how to fail well. And in fact, he told them to expect failure in kingdom ministry. So we're going to begin by looking at Mark's gospel from chapter 6. And we're going to read from verse 33, which is on on the screens for you. So then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts, Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. So in this account, we see Jesus sending out his disciples for the first time on their own. So far, they've been watching him. They've been observing what he's been doing. They've been trying to learn the ways of the kingdom. But this time, Jesus sends them out on their own. And he sends them out two by two to the towns and villages around where they are. And in Matthew's account of this story, in Matthew 10, he tells them one simple message to tell people. He says, tell them the kingdom of heaven has come near. So go and proclaim to people the kingdom of heaven has come near. And all that means simply is God is closer than you think. God's activity is closer than you, you think. When the kingdom is near, then God's activity is near. And so go and tell people that God is near, God is close to them, and they can expect things to happen. And as you go about proclaiming this kingdom is near, demonstrate that it's near as well. So show them what life's like in the kingdom by doing certain things. And he told them to go and heal those who are ill. He told them to go and raise the dead. He told them to go and cleanse those who have leprosy. And he told them to drive out demons. All the normal stuff, week in, week out, we do as church. Yeah, okay. We talked a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about how the Apostle Paul described us as God's field and God's building. And we said that for a Jew, going to the temple in Jerusalem was like going to God's home address. They went with an expectation that that's where God would be. And... They believed that's where heaven touched earth. That was the place of encounter where God, God dwelt. God's house was the temple. And now Jesus is sending out the disciples and saying, actually, now you've become God's address. You are going to be the place where heaven touches earth. You're going to go and declare to people the kingdom is near, heaven is near, 
You're not only going to be people who declare it, you're going to be people who demonstrate it. You're going to show them the kingdom of heaven is near. And because there's no sickness in the kingdom, you're going to heal people. And because there's no death in the kingdom, you're going to raise people from the dead. And because there's no demonic oppression in the kingdom, you're going to deliver people. And because there's no exclusion in the kingdom, you're going to cleanse those who have leprosy, who are socially excluded because of their disease, and you're going to bring them back into community. You're going to show people what it's like when God shows up and heaven is near. And so the disciples are sent out to bring God's ministry to earth, to show people what it's like when the fullness of the kingdom is present. And just like you and me are invited into this, they they become God's address, they become God's dwelling place, they become the place where God turns up and shows up through kingdom ministry. And it's the same for you and me, when we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to trust in him, we become God's home address because Jesus said, my spirit will dwell in you and you'll be, a, you'll be somebody who demonstrates what, what I look like, what the fullness of God looks like. So look at the person next to you this morning, that's what God looks like, okay? That's what the fullness of God looks like when it comes by his spirit. As he sends them out, Jesus also says this in Matthew 10. I haven't got it on the screen, but he says this, Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. And this is why developing a life of try is so important for you and me, because we are called to be channels of God's blessing to the earth. We're not called to be cul-de-sacs. We're not called to be dead ends. We're called to be channels of God's blessing to the earth. Freely we've received from God, and we're to give away freely to other people around us. Back in 2019, we used this graphic to talk about our overflow series, to paint a picture and a vision of the church that we wanted to be, a church of overflow where we cascade down to other people what God blesses us with. And I think this picture perfectly shows the sort of church we want to be, a church that's overflowing with love and grace and compassion and generosity to the people around us. Because we freely received, we're going to freely give. And, and as you have become part of the Riverside family, you've entered into that culture. And many of you live that culture. You freely give away what God gives so freely to you. You see, followers of Jesus aren't called to be caretakers. We're called to be caregivers. Yet many Christians spend their life accumulating information, accumulating experiences, accumulating stuff, and they, they caretake this stuff. They sit on it. And culture doesn't help because culture says to you as well, well, you don't want to not have enough stuff, do you? You don't want to have enough petrol, so you might as well go and fill your tank up now. You don't want to run out of toilet rolls, so you might get a few more toilet rolls in. Christmas is coming, get that turkey in there because there might not be any turkeys in a, in a month or two's time. Culture sows into us a fear, a lack, and so we caretake. We gather and we caretake stuff just in case. But actually, the kingdom principle is we're called to be caregivers. We're called to be channels of blessing. Freely you've received, freely give. And so you and I are called to cascade what flows into our lives so generously down to other people. I struggle with grumpy Christians, to be honest, because... Anybody else struggle with grumpy Christians? Because if you've really met Jesus, then you've received a surplus into your life. Yes, we all have difficult situations. Yes, we have things we have to face and hardships and things. But if you've met the living God in the form of Jesus Christ and he's living in you by his spirit, then you have a surplus of things to give away. 
You have a surplus of joy, a surplus of thanksgiving, a surplus of compassion, a surplus of grace towards difficult people, a surplus of forgiveness. These are the things that should be cascading from your life if you really met the living God. You know, we, we sing, don't we, about a superabundant God. We read stories and sing about the prodigal father. We sang a song today, you know, the, the way the father sees, the way the father gives to us, the way the father unconditionally opens his arms to us. And we come into relationship with this superabundant, prodigal, extravagant, that's what the word means, extravagantly lavish God who cascades his love and blessing and resource into our lives. And we're supposed to be like this glass overflowing with that stuff to other people. Caregivers, not caretakers. In Ephesians 3.19, the Apostle Paul says, he prays that you and I will have a revelation. He prays this, you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And he's saying, imagine if God's got a measure. Imagine if God's got a bucket or a cup. Imagine how big that is. And that's what God wants to pour into your life. That's the fullness of the measure of God. It's much bigger than your measure. It's much bigger than your capacity. So therefore, God's going to pour into you a measure that's going to overflow and cascade down to the people around you. Because that's the way the kingdom works. You and I are supposed to freely give away what's freely given to us. And so our heart for Riverside is that we become this church that cascades God's blessing to our community. As we receive from God, we give away what God gives to us. As he pours in his life and his love and his resources, we freely cascade that to our community and to each other. And so a life of overflow for you and me means, you know, what do we do with our time and our talents and our resources and our finances? How are those things being cascaded down to bless other people? I want you to think for a moment about a moment in your life when a follower of Jesus, a Christian, chose to cascade something to you. They chose to give you their time. They chose to give you maybe their skill, their wisdom, their experience, their resource, their finance. They cascaded something down into your life. Think about that for a moment, a situation that happened for you. Think about that person. And think about what would have happened in that situation if that person had chosen to be a caretaker rather than a caregiver, if they'd chosen to withhold that thing from you. How would that have changed the outcome of your story or your circumstance? You see, one of the most effective strategies... Now, you might not believe in Satan today. However you perceive evil, it's entirely up to you. But one of the most effective ways that evil can thrive in your life and prevent kingdom ministry happening is by getting you to turn off the tap of God's blessing to other people. If, God, if, if that can happen, if that, can, if, if that evil can turn off the tap of flow through your life to other people, then God has no plan B. You are the delivery mechanism of God's blessing to this earth. There is no plan B. In this petrol crisis, we've been frenetically driving all over the county, haven't we, trying to find petrol stations that have got fuel, yeah? And you hear people say, Sainsbury's got fuel, and everyone jumps in their cars, and they drive over to Sainsbury's, or BP's got fuel, and everyone heads over to BP. Imagine you'd, someone had said to you, you know, your, your tank's virtually empty, this garage has got fuel, you drive over there, you get to the front of the queue, you pick up the nozzle, and it's broken. In fact, all the nozzles are broken, there's thousands of gallons under your feet in the tanks and the petrol station, but every nozzle on the forecourt is broken. You can't get to all that lovely fuel that your car so desperately needs. The delivery mechanism isn't working. You are God's delivery mechanism. 
for all the abundance and fullness of the kingdom. You are the means by which God channels that to the earth. And so if evil can stop you, break you, prevent you from delivering what God's so freely given you, then kingdom ministry is halted. If something can get to turn the tap off in your life of God's blessing to others, then that blessing will not cascade down. It won't change lives. It won't transform communities because the flow stops with you. So what does outflow look like in your life at the moment? What are you cascading down to others? Maybe it's your time. Maybe you're using your experience. Maybe you're using your skills. Maybe you're using your resources. Maybe you're using your finances. What does outflow look like from your life to other people? In a culture that encourages us just to get and hang on, what does outflow look like for you and for me? If you're thinking about joining the Riverside family or you are part of the Riverside family, you're going to hear me come back this time and time again. So you've got a choice. Do you want to be a caregiver or a caretaker? Because this is part of our vision for Riverside family, that we become this church that cascades God's blessing down to those around us. Freely we've received, freely we're going to give. Okay, back to the story. So Jesus reminds his disciples, you've been given stuff freely, go and give it away. Go to the towns and the places around here and give away kingdom blessing, kingdom truth to people. He gives them authority over impure spirits, the text says, which just simply means if they encounter demonic oppression, they just calmly deal with it and set people free and release people into wholeness. And then he does something strange. He tells them this. He says, take nothing for the journey except a stick, a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not even an extra shirt. So when, sometimes when I go away with people, they really do prepare well. They take lots of extra kit just in case. Now, Martin down here has a busy bag, okay? And in Martin's busy bag is everything you would ever need in any situation ever, okay? Fairly true, fairly true okay? It's got all sorts in there. So whatever situation you're going to face, Martin will pull something out of that bag and you will be able to cope with that situation. But in this situation, no busy bag. Nothing extra, no extra clothes, not even a bag to take extra stuff in. Jesus really hits them hard. You can't, I'm not even going to give you a let you take a bag just in case you sneak some stuff in. So no, no money, not even spare clothing, just simply a stick and your shoes and the clothes you're standing up in, off you go and declare to people the kingdom of heaven has come near. Why does Jesus send them out like this? Well, I think he's designed a discipleship program to really push them into their fears, hasn't he? Because often one of the things we fear most is being unprepared or having a lack or being in a situation where we don't have what we need, having the resources available. Jesus strips them right back and says, right, off you go. And all you're really going to trust in is me and the authority and the commissioning I've given you. He's designed this program to really push them into fear, hasn't he? Really push them into that place. They might have been tempted to go fully kitted up, ready for anything, you know, plenty of extra stuff, extra food, money. What's, what's the weather going to be like? Just really kitted up and prepared, but he pushes them really into their fears and sends them out, stripped back, just with kingdom authority to declare that heaven is near. So in a nutshell, Jesus says, go to a town, 
turn up, tell people about God and Jesus in heaven, demonstrate that God is near, and if they like you and you've done some good stuff, they're going to house you and feed you. How great will that be? And if you don't do good stuff, you're probably going to starve. Off you go. It's a real boot camp, isn't it, that Jesus puts his disciples into here. He really pushes them into that place of, are you going to trust in what I'm telling you? Are you going to trust in the authority I'm giving you? Because you're not going to get the stories unless you really do push into trying this kingdom stuff for yourself. You've watched me, you've followed me, you've been comfortably watching how I do it and just standing to one side and being an observer. Now I'm going to push you right into the sharp end of kingdom ministry. And he says to them, you're going to experience failure. You're going to go to places where you're going to try stuff and it's not going to work. The people aren't going to listen to you. They're not going to be receptive to you. They're not going to like you. What do you do? You're going to experience failure. Jesus himself experienced failure in his own hometown of Nazareth. He went to try and demonstrate the kingdom there, but he says he could do few miracles. And I think it's because familiarity breeds contempt. He'd grown up in that town. They knew him as just the Jesus, the boy, the carpenter. And so their faith in him, their expectancy in him was very low. And he had to come away saying, I can't do much kingdom stuff here. These are an unreceptive people group. So what do you do when stuff doesn't work out? Well, Jesus taught his disciples to fail fast. If any place won't welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. He's saying it doesn't work out, just move on to the next thing. Try something else. Try somewhere else. Don't let failure get attached to you and stuck to you. In the words of Taylor Swift, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. We've all had those moments, haven't we, where we've tried to do something for God and it's gone really badly. It just hasn't worked. It's It's failed. Jesus says, don't let that failure stick to you. Just shake it off and move on to the next kingdom opportunity. I can think of times when I've formulated my best sentences and then waited for the best opportunity and tried to use the best metaphor, the best analogy, the best story to tell someone about Jesus, and it's just absolutely fallen flat because they, they just weren't receptive to the gospel at that point in time. I had many people in my life way back trying to tell me about Jesus, and I wasn't receptive either. And those people just didn't stop trying. They, they, different people tried, different people came and went, but there was this constant stream of people just trying to invite me to know Jesus. And eventually, I got to know Jesus, and my story changed. We've all experienced these faith failures, if you want to describe them that way. But Jesus says, don't get mired down in failure. Don't get mired down in the fear of failure. Move on. You know, shake that dust off. Just don't carry that failure with you. Shake it off and move on to the next kingdom opportunity. Because there will be more receptive people. There will be more receptive places. There will be chances and opportunities when kingdom stuff does work. But the fear of failure prevents us trying. The fear of failure prevents us getting involved in kingdom ministry. So in summary today, guys, a life of try knows how to fail. We have to get comfortable with failure. I want to be able to tell story after story of how we tried something and it didn't work. And how we tried some stuff and it did work. We're going to try stuff together as a church and it's not going to work. We're going to try some stuff as individuals and it's not going to work. But occasionally we'll try some stuff and it will work. And we'll get the stories that go with that. 
So growing in a life of trial means that we don't get stuck in a fear of failure. We don't get mired down when failure happens. We move on to the next kingdom opportunity because it happened to Jesus and it happened to the disciples. It's going to happen to you and me if we get involved in kingdom ministry. It's part of the already and not yet that we experience of God's kingdom coming. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has come. The kingdom of heaven is near and the kingdom of heaven is still yet to come. And we live in all these in-between times and sometimes God feels really close and sometimes God feels far away. And we're called to live in that kingdom in-between and try and bring heaven to earth at every opportunity. See, when we fail, we tend to think it's our fault, don't we? We attribute failure to ourselves. We think it's something wrong with me. I've done something wrong. I've said something wrong. You know, I've just got this wrong. I'm the failure. But actually, what we see is that failure sometimes just happens. Sometimes it just doesn't work out the way we want it to. That's just life in the kingdom. But that shouldn't stop us trying again, trying to live a life of trial where we partner with God in kingdom ministry. It'll never work if you don't ever try. And that's 100% true. If you don't ever try, it will never work. Remember years ago, someone came to Wimber, John Wimber, and said, I've tried to pray for healing, and it hasn't worked. He said, well, come back to me when you've prayed for a 1,000 people. We'll have a conversation. Live a life of try. Live a life where we keep trying to see kingdom ministry happen. Last week, didn't we, we said the gap between action and inaction is that choice to try or not to try. It all happens here. Do we, do we try that or do we not try that? And that's where kingdom activity in our lives can be, can prosper or can stall. Jesus throughout the, the, the Gospels time and time again said, don't worry, don't fear, don't worry, don't fear. Because he, he, know, he knew and he knows today that fear paralyzes into inactivity. It turns off the tap of that flow of kingdom blessing through us to other people. It stops us being those channels of blessing, cascading down what we've freely received. We stop giving it because we're frightened that we might fail in the delivery of it. But I don't think you can really reason with fear. You can only act against it. Someone once said that fear is courage that said its prayers. We can't ever get rid of fear. We can't often reason with fear, but we can act in a way opposite to it. And these disciples must have been terrified as they went out on those roads, standing up in virtually nothing, going to towns and places with this simple message, the kingdom of heaven has come near, and then trying this stuff that Jesus has shown them how to do. But what does it say at the end of the story? They came back with loads of stories. They drove out demons, they healed us, they came back rejoicing, it says in the Gospels. And Jesus says, there you are, it works. When you try it, it works. So the number one question I want to leave you with today is, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What might it look like to try and act in a way that's contrary to that fear? What might it look like to try and show contempt for that fear and act in a, in a different way? And how might other people help you with that? Perhaps you might want to share that fear with somebody else this week and ask them to pray with you or support you or encourage you or speak truth to you. 
As kingdom people, we have to know how to fail because failing well is part of kingdom ministry. We have to know how to fail. We have to experience failure. Jesus taught his disciples to leave town when they experience failure, to move on to the next kingdom opportunity. Don't carry failure with you. Don't let fear of failure stop you from being someone who brings heaven to earth. Put it behind you and move on. Shake it off and move on to the next thing. So our faith can get stuck in failure if we let it. We can get mired down. We may have done something and and failed at it and we get stuck in that place and that memory and that emotion. But Jesus said it's just part of the kingdom. It's part of life in the kingdom. We need to move on to the next opportunity. He trained people to shake it off and we need to be people who are prepared to do the same. We want to be a church that celebrates both kingdom successes and kingdom failures because we're all trying stuff for God. So remember guys, the only real failure is the failure to try. That's what we looked at last week, didn't we? The only real failure is the failure to try. So are we going to be people who continue to try kingdom stuff? And occasionally it works and occasionally it doesn't. But we have some great stories. We have some great stories about how we're trying to push into all that God has for us. So what could you try this week? What could you try that would, would help you show contempt for a fear that you face? It might be a little tiny thing. It might be a, a bigger thing. But what would it look like to be someone who's displaying courage? You've gone to God and said, God, I want to try something different this week. I want to try something of the kingdom this week. What might that look like for you? Let's stand together. Let's just close our eyes and just I can imagine Jesus just sort of saying you know there's a story here for you if you trust me there's something for you to to encounter and walk into if you trust me There's there's something of the kingdom I want to show you if you trust me maybe you're wondering today whether you should try Jesus properly Maybe you've never really fully given your life to him. You're fearful of what, what if I do and it doesn't work out? What if it, I fail at faith? I just want to encourage you. You can fully rely on the person of Jesus Christ. He is who he says he is and more. And he wants you to be somebody who experiences more and more the fullness of the coming kingdom. So what might try look like for you this week? What might an overflow look like? So come Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak into each of our hearts. You know us all uniquely. You know every part of us, God. You know how we're made, how we're wired. You know the things that we're fearful of. You know what's in our comfort zone, and you know what scares us. And I pray, God, this week there'll be a little opportunity, a little try moment for each of us, God. It's not focused on success or failure, just an opportunity to try something with you. It's just lovely to see the Holy Spirit resting on you. So we'll just plant that seed, I pray now, in Jesus' name, into hearts. Let something grow up that's really special this week. 
We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.